All right then, well, welcome back to another episode. My name is Ross. I'm Craig. And it's time to put the kettle on because it's tea time. Right, well, let's crack on with the news, I guess. I don't have an awful lot of news for you today um, because I was possibly focusing too much on the feature later on. But, um, but here's what I found. Um, well, first of all, I, something that, um, given that I discussed uh, Plant First a little while ago, um, something that I wanted to highlight to people's attention for those that have shone away from, um, from McDonald's, you now have a reason to go back because Beyond Burger may be coming to a McDonald's near you. Mm. Those £5, no, £2.50 a piece burgers that you can get from Tesco's or less if you find them in the juice section like I did last week. Um, yeah, are now going to be on the, on the menu. So that's nice, isn't it? And for those oh, of you no. interested in shares, another good one, not advice. Uh, but obviously, since that got announced, they've gone slightly upward. So yeah, so a little bit late for that advice. Yeah, don't don't get in now. Well, no, but I'm, well, I mean, is it too late? I mean, like, yes, they've got McDonald's, but you know, it, they'll have other places. You know, this keeps happening. They they keep having new announcements every month or two about how they're now partnering with whoever Walmart or whatever. Um, so they'll they'll keep doing it, and ultimately, what it comes down to isn't just the announcement, but the the sales uh, figures that they produce at the end of each quarter. And if they hit the sales mm. figures, then it'll go up again. So not too late. I mean, people have been trying to get in Amazon for years, thinking it's too late. Every year it's too late, and every year it jumps up by another 20%, and they're like, ah, should I go in? <laughs> There's only one time to get in, and it's, it's now. Yeah. That's Good my advice. advice for the day. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but I have heard, or it's, it's been on the old um, news circle, uh, that there was a... Um, um, a Top Gear episode. Did, uh, do you, have you managed to see it? I don't have a, 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 a TV license, so I, I haven't seen it. But um, apparently, uh, they put the Tesla Model 3 up against the BMW 3 Series and a Volvo. I haven't seen this, bro. I classic, haven't heard about it. Classic Top Gear pointless test. Um, what I've read is there was a 24 hour test which has a suspicious sort of like, how can we highlight the fact that it's an electric car? I know, let's make the test 24 hours for some bizarre reason, because that's how you normally drive your car. You drive it for a 24 hour period. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, they had, a, they had a, you know, a track race. They had some sort of in the car park, um, like a, an inward garage race or something um uh yeah so um basically the bmw was best on track um and the model 3 was best in the car park i'm guessing the acceleration was the key part there um and the volvo was third but there you go so top gear have had uh, given their i think they've done one once before with jeremy clarkson so they thought they'd revisit it um uh, and once again it's probably going to be I, I shouldn't i shouldn't judge but if you've seen it let me know what you think of it um I'm curious to know whether they've gone pro electric cars or whether they've stuck with their old. Let's just do mm. something that's electric. 
Because it was the only yeah. electric car in, in the three. So I don't know why. Uh, talking of Volvo, did you hear that other news of uh, their sister company, Polestar? Polestar? Yeah. And you hear what they did about uh, the software glitches. Oh, yeah, they had to, um, uh, what's the word? <laughs> Recall all the cars. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, seriously, I don't understand how you can get to the position where you've got software on a car and you haven't got it so that you can send it out over the, you know, it doesn't update itself. No, but I mean, the software glitch apparently was very dangerous in the fact that it was stopping the car at high speeds. So very serious. So they had to recall uh, 2,200 vehicles, I believe. So yeah, but it's a that's, that's just silly. It's a software error. Just send an update, patch it. You know why are we? Why are we? Sorry, sorry. Could you bring it back in? Yes, over-the-air updates. A very obvious feature that any modern car should have, or any modern thing in total. It should be shipped with the bare bones basics, and everything yeah, else should be built on top. Exactly. Absolutely nothing. You could turn it on, and then it goes right. What's your name? Blah blah blah. Whatever. You set up the set up information and then it downloads everything it needs. Yeah. Obvious, really. Silly Polestar. Polestar. So, um, I don't, yeah, I don't quite know how they go into that, that, that situation, but uh, embarrassing, I think. Highly. For a new car. I mean, if it was, you know, a, a, an old VW or something, I would be like, well, that sounds about right, but not for a new, brand new electric car. Stupid. Yes. Is my opinion. Um, that's, uh, what have you got in the news? Um, i got a few interesting pieces coming on from the car news. Um, I think we were talking a couple of weeks back about what car manufacturers are doing and what are they doing about the electric car sort of like requirements of their brand. So Mercedes-Benz, they've sort of entered with a bit more flair and they've announced several new electric cars um, one of which is an SUV, of course. That seems to be what you do these days. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they, they launched last year with the first electric car they had, which was an EQC, um, which is the first SUV they produced. But yeah, kind of a kind of a kind of a start. Nobody really cared that much. So they've uh, they've started again basically. Now they've got an EQA. So they've changed one letter and they're now going to launch several new cars and they're eventually going to launch a luxury sedan version, potentially mm -hmm. similar strategy to what Tesla's doing. Um, except they're boasting an all brand new electrical architecture. What that is? Why is that, why is that boasting? I mean, well, so I, I, mean, I, I, I suppose they're saying what we launched last year, Mm, don't worry about that. We started again. Well, these, these ones will be good. There was um, uh, there's, a, there's a guy who does uh, was it Rob Mao or something like that? Um, Tesla Daily, um, and he was talking about um, Mercedes and what they and that they've announced. And it seems like one of the things that they mentioned was the fact that um, this car is you know is so good and flexible. We can still put a petrol engine in the front if we need to. So. That's good. Um, and also, like, in the, so they're going for the high end, mostly, it seems, which makes sense. And, and, and Rob said the same thing, that because um, Tesla don't 
don't seem to be bothered about that particularly. They're they're trying to get to the point where it's like you know mass-produced cars, which are you know look good and all that sort of stuff, but they're not luxury. They're not like it's all quite minimalist. It's not sort of mm. I don't know leather knobs on your gear stick or whatever. Not that you need one anymore. But um, uh, but in, interestingly, in their uh, marketing marketing material, they talked about how their focus was going to be on. Uh, it's going to blow you away. It's a focus on profitability. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. Rev- yeah, revolutionary. Yeah, I know. I've. I don't think any car manufacturer in the history of oh, every single one has ever um, always always focused on profitability. Why would that be? You're you're in a situation where you're needing to produce electric cars because you're behind on the leader of the of the group. And everyone else is doing the same thing, and that's your focus is that you should focus on on profitability kind of seems i guess the wrong way unless uh, it's maybe a bit of a dig at Tesla that only recently have they become profitable there's kind of uh if it's a oh, dig, yeah we, very, we're gonna do we could do Tesla except we're gonna be profitable first so, uh, okay uh, don't think I've got to catch up that way I don't know I mean. Why would you buy? Why would you buy a car from a manufacturer if you'd seen that? Like, yeah, good point. <laughs> your focus was going to be on customer satisfaction, or your focus is on be like, yeah, yeah, sure, it's probably sent out to the shareholders. But if you ever saw that, and you go, so your focus is on making as much money as possible, not safety, not autonomy, not efficiency, Range. <laughs> not being the best, uh, you know, electric uh, technology nothing just profit i mean <laughs> honesty i mean at least they're honest uh. <laughs> but anyway moving on from cars since um yeah we're not top gear um another piece of nice news this week was uh, the long-awaited fusion reactor so have you heard about these things before um this isn't the first one. These things have been invented before. The problem is they're extremely difficult to create, construct, and contain. I mean, thinking about the fact that it's basically a, a miniature sun that you've somehow got to super cool and yeah. generate power the, from is ridiculous. Tomahawk, isn't it a tomahawk sign, or have they used a different one? Um, so this particular project here is a brand new thing called Spark by MIT. Um, and they expect it to be up and running within the next 10 years, which mm-hmm. is completely unprecedented for fusion reactors since the, the ongoing joke in the industry is that they're always 30 years away. Okay, so they've reduced it a little bit. Yeah, so this one's only 10 years away. You know, However, like 10 years is the new 30, so no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so but they've said it's uh, 10 years away and they've actually been quite transparent with how they're going to do this. And they've leveled out their construction plans. Um, uh, they're going to start construction next year and they expect construction to take three to four years. After that, the rest is just testing. So in four years, they expect to build this thing. So it's by 2025. And then from there, it's just testing to really kind of get it off the ground. And if it does get off the ground in any way, that will then be the first actual usable fusion reactor 
and the way they kind of do it is different to others because they, they, they're basically focusing on cost and compactability. Other, other fusion reactors use expensive giant magnets, mm -hmm. whereas uh, the reason this is compact is they've uh, figured a way to use high temperature super superconductors, basically, <laughs> which can produce a much higher magnetic field uh, for a lot less cost. Okay. So it's interesting, but um, the fact it's smaller as well makes it a lot more portable. Does Obviously, it's a smaller... Does this mean we can have one in our house? Uh, it's not that small, but... Uh, don't touch that sun. It's as, actually as hot as the sun, so you might burn yourself. Just don't touch it. Yeah, don't release the plasma. Probably should put a lock in that cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the way they're kind of pushing this is uh, it's smaller, so it's a, it's, a, it's a more compact form factor. Um, it is more efficient because of that. It's also safer. And it contains obviously a smaller amount of plasma, so it's less issues as such. But they expect it to produce 10 times the energy it takes to create the plasma in the first place. Yeah. Which... Uh, pretty much infinite energy in a sense which it's is kind of bad because we've done fission haven't we but fusion is the one that we can get working for like a second or something and then it stops yeah so fusion uh, the longest test of fusion so far lasted for a fraction of a second right. not even a second yet a second it's kind of like beep, oh, cool <laughs> well the maths work let's uh let's pick up the rest <laughs> some circles we call that an anticlimax but I mean, that fraction of a second probably would have been um, a significant amount of electricity generators. So you just turn it on once a day, probably can probably definitely power your house. Did you catch it? No, sorry, I forgot to turn it on. <laughs> turn the battery on. Right. Yeah, I mean, so... Down, 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 whatever, <laughs> to get that to work. As, as technology goes, I mean, uh, fusion itself, yeah, so we talk about solar panels. They're the, a very cool way to get energy effectively from a fusion reactor that's however million miles away. So if we can just generate that ourselves, I mean, that's pretty cool. So I mean, I'd be very interested to see these type of things come about. And if they are true in four to five years, we expect to see this thing. I mean, it would definitely be revolutionary. I might not go in the first month, but um, you know, I might go for an open day in the second month, maybe. I'd like to see a nuclear fusion reactor work. It'd be nice. Just, you know, I just don't want to get blown. Right. But no, yeah. cool. I mean, if we, can, if we can harness the sun by making our own one, awesome. Yeah. And in terms of blowing up, this is smaller and it's in Massachusetts. So chance of affecting us, quite slim. Oh, okay, good. That sounds a good shot. Um, another piece of good news, UK-based. Um, the UK's first home built by a robotic bricklayer. Have you seen this one? No, I haven't. I'm not, <laughs> I've got it pretty much. I've seen, well, I'm, I've seen a 3D printed house before. Not, yes. not a brick house, but, um, you know, one that's basically squirted out and it looked terrible. But, um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, the, the full the full prefabs, they, they really exist. The prefabricated houses, which can be just basically 3D printed, as you say. So this is um, a full uh, robotic uh, block and brick layer, also applies the cement. So this is actually building a traditional house, brick by brick. And 
it um, it took them four years to make this thing. Um, but it is, so it's um, Apoclinton, which is a place in Yorkshire, based construction automation company. Uh, it's the first of its kind. It's built the first house of its kind, even with rounded corners, and it's done the entire house without stopping. It used 10,000 bricks and took two weeks. So that's pretty cool. 10,000 bricks? Is that how many bricks it takes for a house? That seems a lot of bricks. It's a three-bedroom yeah. house. It's a, it's a proper full-size detached house. Yeah. And it took three or four weeks? Uh, it took two weeks. Oh, two weeks. Const constantly. Like this thing didn't stop. That almost seems too long if it's not stopping. I mean, how slow is it? <laughs> well, it's the first of its kind. I mean, it's like a... Yeah. I've, I've, seen, I've seen drones laying bricks. Have you seen that? I haven't. There's a TED talk a long time ago, and it basically had just a whole bunch of drones that each, like six of them, they pick up a brick, fly, fly and stick it on top, let go of it, go off, fly off, and get another one. And then they would just do that in rotation. And there'd be six of them flying around, laying all the bricks. I mean, they were pretty fast, to be honest. Oh, who's, who's laying the cement, though? They only got as far as laying the bricks, but you know, as soon as we've had drones laying the bricks, you'd think something just to squirt a bit of cement on top would, would be easy. Anyway, but it sounds sounds amazing. I mean, sure, cool, why not? Yep, uh, well, it's the first of its kind, and it's in the UK, which is cool. Yay. Um, and they're gonna basically start, you know, making this thing available to buy at some point, obviously to investors and everyone else in the market who wants a bricklaying robot because we could all do with more brick houses. So that's quite cool. Yeah. Uh, my final piece of news is um, what Boris Johnson announced yesterday. Is it yesterday or Tuesday? I might know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think you might. So I'll give you a brief overview and then I'll pass on to you. But um, yes, the announcement was the government's commitment towards a net zero emissions target by 2050 as part of the Paris Climate Agreements, which we've discussed before. Uh, the way they plan to do it will also create 60,000 jobs, which is uh, quite amazing for the renewable market. Um, as part of Boris's pledge to build back greener, which I think is just, it's definitely, it's definitely a, a vote winner. The amount of money they seem to be spending in this area and yeah, I mean, there's, there's no other way to build back from this current pandemic mess we're in. Financially, the economy is on its knees. Yeah, let's build back greener. I mean, why not? We basically need to go and put all the... Well, we're just putting all the chips on black, aren't we? That's what we're doing. We're going to... Yeah. There's, there's, I, I, could, I could serve tables for the next six weeks, so I'm not going to pay this back. So let's just, let's just go to the casino. Bang. Let's put all on that. Yeah. And I hope it works. Hey, it works. Um, yeah, so um, that is today's topic. We're going to um, slightly decided to go follow the news a little bit and talk about um, uh, the fact that that's what um, Mr. Boris Johnson would like to do and what that might do to the UK and, and, and how that's how it's sort of and how it's been received as well. So, um, mm. uh, so I'm gonna I'll start off by reading out to you. Um, some of what he said so that you've got some proper context. Um, he said, 
And there's one area we are progressing with gale force speed. Nice pun. Well done. Uh, and that is the green economy, the green industrial revolution that in the next 10 years will create hundreds of thousands, if not millions of jobs. Sounds a little bit optimistic on the million side, but all right. Um, the UK government has decided to become the world leader in low cost, clean power generation, cheaper than coal, cheaper than gas. And we believe that in 10 years time, offshore wind will be powering every home in the country with a target rising from 30 gigawatts to 40 gigawatts. Mm. You heard me right, said Boris. Your kettle, your washing machine, your cooker, your heating, your plug-in electric vehicle, the whole lot of them will get their juice clearly and without guilt from the breezes that blow around these islands. We will invest 160 million in ports and factories across the country to manufacture the next generation of turbines. Now, first of all, 160 million sounds like an awful lot of money to you and me, but um, if you put that relative terms to stuff like what they said for roads and things, which is in the billions, then you can mm. see actually, I'm just it's actually quite a small amount, really. Um, yeah, yeah, pocket change. Um, and we will not only build fixed arrays in the sea, we will build windmills that float on the sea, enough to deliver one gigawatt of energy by 2030, 15 times the floating windmills, 15 times as much as the rest of the world put together. Yes. In the deepest waters, we will harvest the gusts and by upgrading infrastructure in such places as Teesside and Humber and Scotland and wait for it, Wales, we will increase an offshore wind capacity that is already the biggest in the world. As Saudi Arabia is to oil, the UK is to wind. A place of almost limitless resource, but in case of wind without the carbon emissions, without the damage, to the environment is what he said he went on a bit longer about other things which are related but not quite as interesting um but yes that's his his general all in red black whatever it is on wind Increasing i mean targets, all that sort of stuff i i love it i mean it makes absolute sense well i mean it, you know on the face of it it sounds pretty good to me too so um i went looking for uh what other people thought of it um and firstly there um all i found was like must be like 15 or 20 quotes from various different um renewable energy companies and power companies and they're all saying oh we, we you know we love this it's just, this is great there was nothing negative to be said about anything um that they said uh or that boris was going for um yeah all round yeah 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 this is going to be great it's very needed but there was an element of going you know they were like it's the sort of thing you can't say, sounds like a rubbish idea, if you happen to be the leader of any sort of renewable or energy business, doesn't it? So yeah, no one put a foot out and they, they didn't complain. So that could be a good thing. But then I found this other um, YouTube channel uh, called uh, The For Britain Movement. And um, they did not think it was a brilliant idea. Um, so I thought it would be interesting to look at the counter arguments that they came up with and talk about those. So, um, so first of all, they disagree. I think Boris has lost his mind. Um, they have a spokesperson for the environment and energy called Paul Burgess and he dissed it in quite a historic fashion. So I thought I'd go, I would listen to his arguments 
and then I could talk to you about them and we can sort of, you know, we can look at whether they make sense. Um, so the first one he said is he doesn't believe it's possible to create 60,000 jobs. And his reasoning is that one company builds the turbines and they currently employ 200 people and they will need to double, which he correctly uh, accounted for to be 400 people. Um, and that was it. That was, that was his own argument. Uh, and on that question, he said that where the rest come from, and I quote, baffles me, which the lack is lack of understanding of where they come from didn't for me seem like an argument in itself, um, but rather just a lack of knowledge, perhaps. So I thought, OK, well, maybe maybe he's right. Maybe he's wrong. So uh, I did a quick sort of Google and it went to indeed.com uh, or .co .uk, um, and I just did a quick search for like, you know, um, uh, offshore wind. Uh, and I immediately found uh, 2,000 jobs. And that's now. That's not it. We haven't even spent the money yet. 2,000 jobs now. So the idea of it being 60,000, well, that's a 30 times increase. But again, we haven't spent any money on it yet. So, so if you look down the list of jobs, there was contract managers, project managers, logistic managers, quality engineers, structure engineers, simulation analysts, and remote support technicians. Clearly, a lot of jobs. So, moving on to his second argument. He says, the government have claimed that offshore wind technology will get cheaper. He doesn't agree. He said, when the wind doesn't blow, you will need alternative supply. So it, and I quote, can't be cheaper because you've got to build the same anyway. So I think his argument is that Obviously, wind is not a constant thing. Although, even that, I'm not on land. I know we it's a bit more choppy. Mm. But out in the sea, I think you'll probably find it blows all the time. Whether it blows enough for it to be, uh, I guess there might be points when the turbine has to have a minimum amount. But presumably, anyway. Um, his point is that it's not constant and that because it's not constant, you would have to make a megawatt for every megawatt you have wind. You'd also have a megawatt or something else. I didn't get that reasoning. I, do you understand why you would say that? Um, I, th I think he, it's, it's a very rudimental argument of saying when the wind stops, everything else stops too. I think it's forgetting about the whole battery storage technology in between that. That's what I thought. Um, so yes, yeah, so I've written... Um, a couple of issues here. So, uh, so first of all, um, going back to the uh, thing about getting cheaper, um, in an article published by ScienceDaily.com back in July of this year, they said the cost of the bids to build solar wind farms, sorry, solar wind farms, wind farms, uh, had dropped thirty percent in two years. In in like from twenty nineteen back to twenty seventeen, the the cost had dropped by thirty. So it's already dropped once. Mm. So presumably, if it can drop once, it can drop again. And we all know that solar's been dropping every year. So I don't, I don't understand his argument of it can't get cheaper. No, but it already has. So uh, well, well, before that point, so I've gone back a couple of um, episodes while we talked about um, Octopus Energy. Who yes, we're giving energy away. Oh, that was primarily. No. Don't jump ahead. Don't jump ahead. I'm coming to them in a minute. Okay. Back it up. <laughs> All right, so um, I, I will come back to that. Um, 
Uh, right, yeah, and then I'm sorry, actually, that you've already said this, but uh, as for, as for needing to make another megawatt somewhere else, well, you know, we invented batteries, um, and also the, the government has talked about um, putting the energy into hydrogen um, and carbon capture. And we we talked about that in a previous episode as well, where they they use and any when it's not being used, they just um, send it off to be to generate. Uh, hydrogen via electrolysis because mm. it needs energy for that so they just use the surplus you know so um, i think he's not understood perhaps that you have other uses for the power he also claimed that when we have an abundance of electricity we would be required to sell the energy and actually pay others to take it from us which if we go back to a few weeks ago we talked about the viking link um mm. that was that's having that connection but the idea being that we would say to them oh we've got we've got loads of energy would you like to buy it from us and they might turn around and go no we've got loads thanks mate and you go please please take it um all right but you we'll pay you pay us and we'll have it and so his argument being that it's going to cost us even more money because we're not only are we going to have surplus but then have to pay to get rid of it octopus energy had a similar thing a few months back where they would pay people to use electricity that they had surplus right but then it becomes mm. part of the contract so would you rather have your energy supplier the kind of supplier that it will occasionally say to you actually you can buy it you I'll, i will pay you to have electricity from me would you rather have that energy provider or would you prefer to have one that doesn't do that so that would, yeah that would that would make you go well i'll i'll use these guys not these guys it's kind of like going well every week i'm gonna buy a scratch card um and uh with this company i'm gonna scratch it off and i i might get some i might win with this company i'm gonna buy the scratch card i'm just i'm just never gonna scratch it off i'm just gonna just gonna buy the well why would you do that you obviously this one would be better because there's a possibility of of getting a, a of a bonus so even the argument that even if we did have to pay to get rid of it, that's still that's still a good thing overall because you're going to get the contract in the first place. Um, so I didn't agree with that one either. <laughs> As you can get the idea, I didn't I didn't agree with quite a few things. How many points did he have? I mean, it, it seems very hard to pick holes in this. Well, okay. So um, ultimately, I. I what he then talked about was um, being pro um, salt water reactors. So ultimately okay. what it came down to was that was his argument that rather than using uh, wind, we should be using salt reactors. So I think we may have talked about it a long time ago, but um, so it's nuclear, but it's safe. It doesn't, it's not the nuclear that can melt down. It's um, one of those ones that's, I think it's largely submerged or something, and they basically just um, heat up salt. Um, but they are designed to work alongside solar and wind, because the idea being that they can, if you, you can turn them up, you can run them quickly, and then when if there is no wind, then you can use those as a, as, a, as a backup for the gaps. Not the same level like the guy was trying to trying to suggest, where you have to make exactly the same amount because you don't. Mm. Got lots of this, 
then every every so often you just won't have enough for that particular peak moment at which point you start something else up which in the past used to be coal but now it can be either salt reactors fine that's what you want to go for or even better a megawatt um power pack a battery system or hydrogen or other options so it didn't i don't feel like this salt reactor thing is necessarily a like i think it's a, a potentially good thing where i wouldn't say it's necessarily instead of surely you would do it as well as because in my mind you you follow what you've got so if we have an abundance of wind and we are in Ireland and we are we have got the north sea and it is quite abundant um, in terms of wind then we should use it yeah solar here not as good because you know it's not as sunny as it is in california yeah. um but we have the other thing we have a lot of is sea because we're in Ireland. so um Pidal would be uh, you know something that we should probably pioneer and get good at because we've got all the options to do that um but yeah so it makes sense to just work with what you've got um so yeah that i think ultimately i i don't know what the guy's invested in or whatever but um that would whether maybe he, that's what it was it, but he seemed very anti-wind and none of the arguments that he came up with seemed particularly valid now i because i'm not we're not pro conservatives particularly i'm not pro boris johnson or, or any i'm not, i don't really care about anyone um it's just whether or not it's a sound scientific mm. argument and they were saying a similar thing which is why i found it a little bit confusing because it was like well he was saying we want practical things we don't want to just diss on them we want to come up with solutions but his dissing of the idea was not scientific it was just seemingly nonsensical um so um but the, the what really confused me was he, he was also kind of against solar he claimed that uh releases carcinogenics um for the first year or so and that it also um uh, never never gives back uh, or never repays its debt to co2 from the manufacturing of the of the solar panel so i've heard this a lot but again it's one of those things that gets better and better and yes maybe solar panels 10 years ago were really bad solar panels now are better solar panels 10 years from now will probably have all entirely renewable um materials so you know it's like it's it's the argument that keeps coming up where people go i'm gonna i'm gonna judge this technology by how it is right now i'm, I'm gonna yeah. say let's let's use the stuff that we've had a hundred years to improve on and we've got as best as it can be and it's still bad let's use that as opposed to the thing we've just invented five years ago ten years ago and we haven't developed yet dumb argument in my very dumb argument i, I mean i got be in 10 years solar panels will probably die anyway if we crack fusion i mean there's the hope well yes it's a possibility um well yeah i guess so i mean it's uh, always seems like a good idea to use it if we i i don't think solar will die ever even if we have fusion um, it's going to be a cost thing that's the other thing his salt reactors that's going to say a good point they don't i think they cost i think i, I looked it up it was something like eight million or something and it okay, takes so, like four or five years to build one so <laughs> so boris has given what was it 160 million yes so so not a lot of money no but how many how many how many wind turbines can I buy? 
How much is a wind turbine? Half a million? He's not, million? He's, not trying, he's not trying to fund the... No. He's, he's just trying to kickstart the, the infrastructure. Exactly. So the idea is that but, the private equities would... He's trying to make it so that it's worth their while. So they'll do that by yeah. guaranteeing a certain rate of electricity or something like that. So that the companies go, it's worth me spending money. Even, even the wonderful BP... I said even the wonderful... Yeah. Even BP, who, you know, notoriously bad from the old days, who were now thinking of, of switching. Um, and I read an article today by some Russian guy who was criticizing companies that are trying to switch, saying it's going to cause all sorts of trouble somewhere else. Clearly, with they have an oil focus and they don't want these other companies to abandon oil because um, it helps them in some way. 160 million to kickstart a, uh, a technology versus. 8 million or whatever it was to create. I should probably find out that exact number because otherwise I'm, you know, spouting out complete rubbish. Uh, it's, it cost $800 million. $800 million. Um, and it takes four years to build one. So, I mean, they might be amazing. But it's not comparable to 160 million to kickstart something that you're hoping. No, that, and maybe that's not enough. I don't know, but we're still talking 800 million. It's not the same. No. Uh, what type of power output does this thing achieve? So, if, if I spend, you know, almost a billion dollars, mm. what would I expect from that? Um, well, I struggled a little bit with the because um, it's the ultimately have to come down to the cost per. Um, megawatt um, and it seemed to be for electricity it seemed to be comparable to that of wind um, but um, for heat I think it's a lot lot more efficient but still not as efficient as in terms of output not necessarily input uh, of, of gas of natural gas but obviously okay. with, with the different carbon footprint on that. But um I mean, yeah, that sounds like that's gonna go a lot longer to pay off his carbon footprint if he's wired by solar. And that thing just sits sitting in the ocean, I don't know, heating up the area. Dunno. Seems like there's other there's other problems. Yeah, so okay, so um but to be fair to them, they had there was two arguments which they raised as against wind, which I have no argument for or have no um, counter thing. Um, and the first one being the issue of killing birds. Um, now I still can't quite get a clear, unbiased view on this one as mm. to whether or not because some you know some say it kills hundreds of thousands of birds. Then you can read another article where it says, um, yes, it kills lots of birds, but, you know, domestic cats kill more. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would hope and I'm, I'm, I would be, my concern would be that because people, you know, there's going to probably be a particular section of the North Sea that they're interested in. Have, has anyone considered the migration of certain species of birds? Is, that, is it literally in their path and we're just going to find it? We're just going to trash out whole particular species um obviously they're just going to fall in the water so no one's going to notice we're not going to have these pictures of dead birds on the on the ground wow. of a wind I, I, 
I, I assume there's a guy who has to clean the blades every now and then. He's going to know. <laughs> well, yeah. So, but you mean it's, I mean, it's going to be a lot easier to um, ignore if they're just falling in the water and disappearing, I think. Um, yeah. Fish food. But um, so there's that argument. And then there's um, the argument about what do you do with the turbines, the, the blades, when they malfunction or need to be replaced. Mm. Um, apparently, we dig, we're digging them into the ground or something. I don't know why we're doing that, but... Um, um, oh, it's because yeah. they're not recyclable. Yeah, I think we discussed this previously. Um, yeah, they're not recyclable. So they're actually quite a burden. Yes, so that's a, which is a fair point. Um, I'm obviously, again, I, I, I feel like that's something that we will improve on. I feel like there's that, that you have to allow for that. You know, it's an early technology. Yeah. At some point, we will come up with a way of making them so that they can be recycled. Yeah, I would really hope so. Because um, if we're going to surround the entire island with these things, I kind of hope we'd crack that problem. Well, again, it's going to be kickstarting private companies to do it, so they're going to just work with what they've got. It depends on whether that company is going to be um, sustainable, whether they're going to be uh, responsible for the sort of things that they're making. There's going to be probably necessary not only any government focus on that. The only thing I have did read was that potentially they would um, insist on uh, either a percentage or something of the materials used mm. have come from local manufacturing. And I think that's where his millions of jobs may come from is he's going to mm. perhaps say, right, well, if you're going to make them here, then they have to come from, from the UK or manufacturing in the UK. So, Yeah, I would also say the government has quite a hard say on sustainability if he wants to. Obviously, to put stuff in the sea, I think you need quite a lot of plan permission that needs to come from the government. Right. So it's not international waters. You can't have free reign. Uh, they are British waters. So I think they probably could say yay or nay. I imagine the companies who are doing this, they say, I don't know, EDF Energy, they say they have a thing in this. I imagine they'll be doing hundreds at a time. So this type of thing that, uh, you know, just would get blanketly approved. But um, yeah. I, I did see one other negative. Um, the negative was the cost and the speed. So the fact that Boris has said that we could do this by 2030 to power all homes in the UK. Mm. Um, there's a think group called Renewables, I believe. Renewables or something. Uh, and they said that it would cost roughly 50 billion. Yeah. And would mean making a wind turbine every single week in between now and then for that to be true. Right. Yes. So it's a big ask. Obviously we don't have that production capability right now, yeah. all the money. So is 160 million enough? Do you think that's a, a small pledge for a big ambitious project? Quite possibly, but then it's nothing to say that there isn't going to be more later. It's just trying to, just to mm. kickstart it and they're trying to get things moving so they only need to put up enough to make this think it's viable and then you know if they allow more funding later on um perhaps they won't perhaps they'll you know i mean I, what we would what we would imagine they would do you know i was in like okay, okay but i'm just saying million let's get the companies starting to move on it and then i'm gonna i'm gonna have a separate 300 500 billion not billion, million, um, part mm. of my, to 
um, go towards companies who are trying to improve on the efficiency of it. Um, because that way I don't need to make one every week. Now I need to make one every month because it's, I've worked out a way of making it four times more efficient. Um, I've made it half the price, what, that sort of stuff. Or I've worked out to put them closer together. So that's, that's okay. That sort of thing. So, um, um, yeah, I feel like there's probably more coming and, and as they've made that pledge, if they're then, if they're then failing on the pledge, if they offer all this money, you know what happens, everyone applies for it it gets sucked out and then that's, it's just gone. And then people are going to go and judge them saying, Oh, well, you spent too much money on it. You should have thought it through more. So I, I don't know whether you, how you get that right, to be honest. Um, but presumably uh, a little bit to start with is probably not a bad idea. No, it's, it's probably the right approach. And yeah, I mean, the amount of money we've spent recently on like furlough, for example, 160 billion is just nothing really. And as a weird thought, do you think there's any legs in moving the onshore wind turbines we already have, put them in the sea? That kind of feels like that will tick a lot of people's boxes on the negatives that typically are visual appeal. So if we just grab all those things, put them when in the sea. You, when you say moving, do you just mean take those things down and replace them? Um, uh, not, not replace them, as in literally take them off the mountains, put them in the North Sea. Yeah, I don't know if it's that simple. I'm not saying it's simple, but it seems simpler than making one. As in, I can, you know, they, I can see them retiring that one for a more efficient one, you know. That, that, so, uh, well, yes, because obviously um, there are health supposed issues with it. I imagine there probably is some sort of health issues with living next to a thing that does the weird, I don't know, whatever, but... Um, and I think there was a case of some people in Ireland who managed to um, get a payout because of health problems to do with their um, living too close to one. Um, so, really? you know, there are there's stuff like there's been stuff like that before about, you know, that people have had um, issues with their ears or something because of it. Yeah. I, whatever. Yeah. Obviously, getting rid of all that would I can see that. Obviously, that's going to be that. No one, no one likes the look of them. They look ugly. Um, it would be nice if there's that bladeless one that um, nearly made it on the show but didn't because it we think it might be rubbish. It'd be nice if there was one. Uh, that way, you know, we wouldn't have birds dying and we wouldn't have um, uh, yeah. the element of it. So presumably these things will get better, more efficient and clever. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure you solved the bird problem. That's probably, that's probably the biggest problem left. Especially um, emigrating birds. But, I mean, North Sea, they're already emigrated to, you know, Antarctica. So, imagine up there is pretty safe. I don't know. I think there are, I think there are routes all down that sort of way. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be my concern that they haven't thought it through. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, the point is, it's difficult to know what you know. Are we okay? Obviously, we don't want to kill any birds, but um, what are we talking in terms of? Percentage. Are you saying there's an acceptable loss number? No, I'm not. But <laughs> I, I, I would like to know what it is. I mean, I, I, you know, if we're talking about, well, I guess I am, like some some degree. I don't know. A thousand a week. Yeah, it's fine. Two thousand. Right. Okay. So you know, it's it's a more literal death, isn't it? As opposed to, I mean, because the birds still live in the same world that we do and we're still breathing the same crappy air. So, 
it's I've got fossil fuels running around doing stuff, making everybody on the entire planet bad and it's the rest of the client versus I'm killing a number of birds. Now, I don't want to kill any birds either. But you have to, you know, what's, what's, what's better? And then, okay, once we've got better, let's then make that even better. Like we have seen have mm. this session we go, we need to have the perfect answer every single time. No, we just need to do better than what we did before. And obviously, yeah, we don't want to, if, if we, the probability of us wiping out the entire bird community of a particular species, then okay, stop, let's, let's have a rethink. But if we're talking about, you know, 1% or whatever of the full population in that area, okay, well, maybe that's something that we can work towards improving at some point in the near future. Yeah. But in the meantime, we've saved all sorts of lives of every lots of other species by not having oil spills in massive tankers by not having air pollution by not having all the other stuff so it's just incremental improvements all we need yeah uh, i mean i don't know it's one of, probably one of those things anyway that birds will learn different paths perhaps i'm not sure how that works like i don't really understand the rural migration dynamics do they follow magnetic signals of some sort like for example could we have a magnetic sphere that kind of goes around these um, turbines. They can, you know, they, they create yeah. so much electricity. Could it generate a small electric thing? Like, don't come near me. You might die. Exactly. So those are things that, you know, I, again, would be nice if someone was to um, be making sure that they're looking into that. If we start suddenly finding that we are killing a certain species of bird, is there a sound that we can make? Is there, a, is there something that we can do to um, reduce that number down? Yes. Incremental improvement. Yeah. Looking at you, RSPB. <laughs> anyway, so feel free to send in your hate mail. Um, uh, for my last comment. But um, yeah, so that's, that's the topic. That's, that's what's going on. Um, uh, I think overall it's, it feels like it's a positive thing. Um, again, I've tried to sort of be reasonable about the arguments that have been against it. I'm, I mean, maybe they're just having, he was just having a bad day in terms of making arguments, but. What's that guy's uh, name again? And what was the company? Oh, let's, let's, let's say his name again. That's a good idea. That's a good fun. Uh, his name is. Um, thanks for asking the question that requires me to scroll up. <laughs> uh, I, thought, I thought you got a bold. It's like, yep, that guy. Yeah, no. So the, so the name of the guy is um, Paul Burgess. Uh, and he mm. is um, from the For Britain movement. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of conservative bashing going on in that particular uh, show. But they've got you know hundreds of thousands mm. of views. So clearly, other people share their opinion. Um, but yeah, I I got I st I mean, he even talking about you know um, things that he. Uh, Again, so he's, he's against solar. Um, he's pro fracking. I mean, seems like some odd. Um, it's an odd mix, isn't it? it? It is. Yeah, likes salt water generators and fracking. Mm. Okay. The salt water generators—they're safe. They produce clean energy. Yes, they're bloody expensive to make. Uh, yes, they take a long time to make. But I think once you've made them, fine. Absolutely fine. Great idea. But fracking, 
Uh, well, okay, he seems to be pro-business, uh, occasionally pro-nature, because he did mention the birds. But then um, I think his main argument as a conservative himself, or a, in his mind, a true conservative, um, he believes that the way to uh, make an economy work is by giving it uh, very cheap energy. So that's really his focus. Um, so that obviously fracking enabled um, cheap energy in America because it gave them access to oil and stuff. So, um, or natural gas, where it is. Um, so that's his, I think that's his, that's his point. It's just odd that um, he's against seemingly most renewable energy. Mm. Not quite sure why. But I will no. put, I'll put the link in the descriptions um, so you can go watch his video and then you can agree or disagree with us uh, or me more specifically. Yeah, well, I would definitely like to hear some, some critical arguments that challenges the ideas really because I mean even though uh, obviously it's early days it's not a lot of money in the game so far it's just trying to get things started so I can't really see why there's any negatives to do with that and win seems the obvious thing but I've been proven wrong. Birds and recycling those are two fair arguments yeah. I, I, can't, I don't I just don't agree with you. So I, I think go ahead. I've decided. Yep, crack on. I approve, Boris. Keep going. Yes, I, I also approve. And should these companies start spinning up and offer shares, I think they would be a very worthwhile investment opportunity. Yeah. So obviously, um, energy companies going absolutely crazy at the moment. Um, billions mm. have been thrown into green energy bonds that have been started in the um, in Europe. Um, so yeah, it's all, it's all green, green, green at the minute. Um, yeah. So yes, yeah, if you are investing, I uh, put a bit more money in today in a couple of uh, renewable funds today and a little bit, but um, I'm certainly opening my portfolio more to that direction. Even though I already oh. have that sort of thing, but yeah, I just I decided to go with because it's it's difficult when you're doing the investing, it's difficult to know the individual companies that are doing stuff. Um, you know, so at the moment, funds are quite useful from that perspective. Mm. Diversify it for you. Yeah. No, overall, very excited for the future of Britain. And we've done this entire episode and we didn't even mention the B word. B word, the B word. Nope. Don't Brexit. Me. Oh, that way. I mean, obviously the stick, the stick has come for this, obviously, is that this is a bit more of a, yeah, let's forget about this whole Brexit thing that happens at the end of this year, so two months. Yeah. Uh, this, this is Britain's sort of future on its own, on the yeah. world stage. We're king of the wind. Exactly. And they're trying to argue that it's just a distraction thing. Well, okay, maybe it is. I don't know, but let's not I mean, let's my, argue about that. Let's argue about the science. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy that we're a, a former world power, but we're king of the wind. That's, that's what we're good at. We got wind. Windy. Cool. Well, um, yes, uh, I look forward to hearing everyone's comments 
or anyone's comments. Um, oh, Nobody makes it this far, do worry. Well, okay, okay. So, with anyone left, thanks for watching. Um, catch you next time. Yeah, thank you. Bye bye.